This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Gail Hammerschmidt and Father Drew Hoffman talk about holy adaptability. How did you respond to the coronavirus one year ago? Did you keep up with your relationship with our Lord in some way? How did the college students handle it? Father Gail and Father Drew are being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Tolman. We have Father Gail and Father Drew on the line. They will be talking to us about uh, holy adaptability. Father Drew, Father Gail, how are you this morning? Doing well, doing well. Can you hear us okay? I sure can. I sure can hear you uh, quite well, in fact. And so uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to to join the station. And so real quick for the listening audience, I will give a brief introduction to to our two uh, speakers. Father Gail Hammerschmidt is formerly of Hayes, a graduate of TMP Marion High School. He is now the chaplain of what is commonly known as St. Isidore's Catholic Student Center in Manhattan. Father Drew Hoffman is the associate chaplain of St. Isidore's Catholic Student Center. And Father Drew is from Wichita is, and is in his fourth year as a priest and second year serving the Diocese of Salina. And so, Father Gail, Father Drew, again, thank you for coming on board. And you will be talking to us about holy adaptability today. So, my first question to you is, we've had a lot to adapt to, if you will, again, not to sound <laughs> yeah, repeating here, um, in 2020, and most probably going into even the new year as well. Can you define and talk to us about what holy adaptability is? Yeah, I appreciate, first of all, appreciate you having us on. Uh, obviously, this is, I've been on many times to the, I, what do you call it, the Radiothon, or the, I don't, I don't even know what you call the <laughs> fundraiser, but it's always a pleasure, the Carathon, the fall yeah. Carathon, I see. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. I love Catholic Radio, I love everything that you're doing. But it's, it's my first time, actually, with someone else, and so I'm sitting here, and Father Drew's just in, a, I think, an office over, <laughs> you uh, both on the phone. And uh, a real pleasure. Talking about holy adaptability, I, I would love for, for Father Drew even to speak about the adaptability, uh, adaptable nature that he had to embrace, even being a priest from the Diocese of Wichita that's now serving uh, in a, for a few years here, in the Diocese of Salina, just the adaptability that, that he's had to embrace even before we got to some, some great stories. If it's fine with you, George, we'll let him even chat just a little bit about that. Yeah, so I don't know how many of the listeners, especially in western Kansas, know the deal here, but I'm a priest of the Diocese of Wichita, so you're primarily, uh, it sounds like, broadcasting the Diocese of Salina and Diocese of Dodge City, but I grew up in West Wichita, and was ordained a priest for them in 2017. But I've got a lot of uh, Diocese of Salina roots. My grandpa grew up uh, in Victoria, and so I know there's a lot of Hoffmans out in that area, and I'm probably second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth cousins with a lot of them. So let me know if you're a Hoffman out there, and we'll figure out if we're related. But it has been a a long road of, of them even, my grandpa growing up in, in the Hayes area in Ellis County, my grandma growing up in Garden City. And so these two dioceses of Salina and Dodge City uh, having a, a big impact and influence on me over the years. And so thinking of all the things my, my grandparents uh, dealt with and worked through and how they were adaptable. I mean, my grandpa's parents came over on a boat from the Germany area and came to Victoria, Kansas, and they lived, he actually lived up in the Emram area most of, most of his life. I've been out to the, the ruins of that little church up there and seen my great-grandma's grave there at the cemetery. But those are the most adaptable people uh, ever, the people who came over uh, and made it to western Kansas. But my uncle at my ordination, my uncle Rod, who grew up in, in Garden City out in western Kansas, gave a little speech at my ordination And he just kind of briefly went through everything that the Hoffman family and all of the connections, the Rollators and the Hymans and the Shippers and the Bergkamps and all of these connections that we've got, had to deal with, went through the things they sacrificed, the adaptability they had, all of the things that they they changed and made work, the faith that they built, helped build these great churches. 
And he took a deep breath and he so, says, at last, now, finally, we have a priest. And so uh, to see their adaptability, and we'll get into what that means, but that they were willing to change and to do things new and be flexible and sacrifice and all of these things and look at the fruit down the line is to bring about a, a priest. And not that that's necessarily more important than the other grandkids that have, have come through or other family or anything like that, but there is something particular about that bringing forth a priest. And so even though I'm living in, in the, lived in the Diocese of Wichita most of my life, Bishop Hemi, my bishop in Wichita, asked me about two years ago now if I'd be interested in serving in the Diocese of Salina for a time, helping at K-State, and so to change up even my home diocese and who I'm living around and, and who I, in a certain sense, answer to. And so learning, frankly, from, from Hayes America and from the grandparents, it's an easy yes, an easy yes to transfer the diocese of Salina to help out at K-State for a few years. So I'm happy to be part of the diocese of Salina and to be broadcasting these two dioceses who have been so impactful in my life, Dodge. Thank you, Father Drew, for that. And Father Gale, I, I've met you before, I believe, at some point, but it was probably a while ago, so I was probably a few pounds lighter and, and a lot younger. Um, uh, but Father Joe, George, I think we... George, it was, it, was, it was seven years, uh, two months, and 14 days ago. I remember it so very well. <laughs> well, well I'm, glad some, I'm glad someone does there, Father Gale. So, so awesome. No, awesome. Yeah, no, and, and so, uh, no, Father, no, Father Drew, thank you. Thank you for that, and and uh, no, I, pre- I appreciate what you have to, what you share. So you definitely have, have, have roots and connections to this area, so again, thank you for... Um, Thank you for your contribution and and being there with us. So yeah, I'll 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 just kind of let Father Gail, Father Joe, I'll just kind of let you loose here. So with again sure. with holy adaptability and talking about just you know kind of what that is and how we can apply it. You know, our topic for the Carathon is spiritual warfare, and definitely I believe that that holy adaptability has has a lot of relevance to that properly understood. And so. Yeah, either one of you, could you talk, right. uh, dig a little bit yeah, more deeper into you, that you for the listening audience, and then, um, again, really give us your, your good insight there about how we can apply this to it. Because I will, I will quickly quickly point out, uh, so for the listening audience as well, really quick, so I, I'm an educator in training. I, I do some consulting right now. I have been in the schools in both small and large districts, and I will say that being flexible and adaptable during the pandemic educationally has been one of the most challenging experiences I think that education has ever faced that will definitely redefine how we do work and, and also basically in so many, in less, lack of a better phrase, it, it's going to change how we, how we do business. And so because of that, learning how to adapt well, I think is a really good thing. So Father Gail, Father Drew, I'll let you go ahead and take yeah. over there. You bet. So, you know, I don't know that you're going to find this term, holy adaptability, in any of your theology books. It's not something that's spoken of perhaps by, uh, at least with these two words, holy adaptability by the, by the great saints, but it's something that we've definitely encountered here at St. Isidore's uh, over the last nine months now. I think it's, it's ultimately, what is it? It's, it's maybe a trustful surrender uh, to divine providence. There's a great book by, what's his name, Jean-Baptiste Saint-Jure, and St. Jean-Claude de la Colombère, or something, you know, I don't even know the name of these authors. But it's, it's a little book that's passed around the diocese a lot, I know, by my brother priest, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. The, the word surrender is maybe, uh, has some connotations with it that, that wouldn't exactly fit with even what the book itself is trying to tell us. It's saying that, that when we're walking through life, we generally have a plan as to how it's going to go, we were pretty sure what we, we want to see happen, and then something terribly different happened. Uh, and, and a lot of times we are out of control when it comes to that, but we have to look at what's in front of us. We have to then ask the question, okay, what's the end goal? The end goal is to, to proclaim Christ to the world and to save souls, to, to allow people to receive the love of Jesus Christ so that their soul can be saved through His grace. And, and we're just the instruments in trying to provide uh, opportunities for people to encounter His grace. That's exactly what has happened in 2020. Uh, and so, you know, whether you call it trustful surrender to divine providence, or you, whether you call it holy adaptability, you know, Father Drew and I would, on, on a regular basis, have to, to sit down 
and, and look at each other and say, here's the situation. What are we going to do with it? And will we be able to achieve our end goal of, of bringing Christ to souls and souls to Christ uh, by the decisions we, we make? Father Drew, maybe you want to even elaborate on some of the, the decisions we had to make uh, early on in the pandemic, and even perhaps as the students have returned, some things like that. So the practicals, in a sense of like, so I'm in El Salvador when the pandemic really starts in earnest. Father Gale's in, in Denver. And I remember calling him on a Thursday morning after we had been told, basically, we got to get out. Uh, we thought that the airport was closed, and it's maybe it's real early in the morning, and I call him, and he first thing he says, he says, what in the world is going on? And from that moment on, everything has been weird. From that Thursday morning on, every single thing has been weird. And so when we finally got back to, uh, you know, me the United States and, and him to Manhattan, uh, there were so many things that we had been excited for. We were so excited for that rest of the semester that we'd have here at St. Isidore's and Kansas State. We had parties and collegiate Olympics and events and worship times and just being with the students. We had so many things we we're so psyched for. And there's a temptation there then to hold up what we're excited for, what we thought it should be, our expectations, and then to live in this place of frustration and sadness and comparison of this is not the way that it was going to be. This isn't how it should be. And we fell victim to that, of course, of course, of course. Now, why, aren't, why can't we just be with the students? Why can't the students just be here? Why this, We're doing this thing. It's not going to be as good in our own minds as it would have uh, if it had gone the way we would have gone, made it go. So some practical examples, like, Live streaming masses. Is live streaming mass ideal? No. Oh, gosh, no, 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 no. It's not ideal. Is it the way it should be? No. But we kind of made a commitment early on that this is something we were going to take seriously, we were going to try to do, and we took, I, I think, even uh, implicitly a, a nod from the missionaries who went into different countries and different situations, and they had to make it work. They had to make it work, and it wasn't like it was in their home country, and they could have pounded their fists and said, no, it has to be like this or it's not good, or they could be adaptable and make something work. So like the live stream uh, and these dumb videos. So again, I posted dumb videos for like, I don't know, about 50 straight days and then throughout the whole summer, and some of them are funny, but some of them aren't. Uh, <laughs> most, most of them are not. <laughs> they're not that funny. Um, and so, like, I, and this is where Father Gale's really good at this, is, is uh, putting his head down and making them and being creative. And a lot of times I was like, I don't want to do this. This is dumb. Um, but I had a good mentor to guide here, and it was not optimal. It wasn't ideal, and yet it's what was placed before us and we have seen unbelievable amounts of good done uh, because of some of that adaptability. We can get into more of the specifics. But being willing to not hold up this expectation that we had and let that be an idol, but then to get creative, flexible, and see if maybe the Lord is trying to teach me something new in the messy circumstances I'm in. We saw, we saw a lot of people, you know, in the early stages of the pandemic, for example, and maybe this even, I know I have the list of questions that, that we're going to be talking about today. This might lead a little bit into that, that next question. But we saw a lot of people kicking and screaming and fighting and fussing as we headed into the pandemic. And, and almost because of the situation that was not even close to being ideal, it's as if they just kind of shut down and went into this place of like, well, I guess ministry's over, I guess, uh, you know, for whatever reason, God doesn't want us to, to preach, to reach out to the world, uh, or, the, you know, or the government's shutting us down. There's all sorts of different reactions to it, and uh, we just knew that we couldn't stop. We couldn't shut down, and there was times, there was moments. I, I remember Father Drew walking around here super sad, at times, it's where are the students? I miss the students. I wish the students were here. And, you know, having to kind of just lift up his spirits. There was times where I was having moments that <laughs> I wasn't my best self, and he had to, to lift me up a little bit. But we knew that we couldn't stop, and we knew that if we just kind of closed in on ourselves, that, yeah, ministry would, in fact, stop. And, and so we had to be creative, and I think that creativeness 
actually did some beautiful things, uh, able to reach some people. Father Drew, you made that story you, you heard just last week where because of the live stream, we have some students that are now coming to Mass on a, on a weekly basis that probably would not have had they not been watching us with their family this summer. What was that, that story you said something about uh, last week? I don't think creativeness is a word. Creativeness? I don't think creativity? So. Is it creativity? It's creativity, right? <laughs> yeah, but it sounded I, pretty smooth coming off my lips. I, I think it might be. Absolutely, I'm not letting you get away with that. Creativeness, because of our creativeness. Come on, that's holy, that's holy adaptability. Holy, holy creativeness. Creative. <laughs> creativity. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's why I got him here, to, to let people know when I'm an idiot, <laughs> which is pretty frequent. <laughs> yeah, that's a daily thing. Uh, there's... There, there are so many instances that we could bring up of, like, again, particularly. So what are the main things we did, especially when the pandemic started? We live-streamed all of the Mass. We had Mass at 9 or 9 p.m. every night, and we live-streamed it. We made these dumb videos of us hitting golf balls or us. I don't even racing. remember. Racing. That I racing. We, 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 we raced. And something like exactly. fi- over 50,000 over 50, people watched a video of Father Drew and I sprinting against each other at the early part of this pandemic. So people were so unfathomably (laughs) bored. Perfect time to make videos and put them online. We spent so many hours on Zoom and on FaceTime and on the phone checking in with students. Uh, You know, sometimes we're busier, it felt like, than we would have been if the students were here because we were just on these Zoom meetings all day. But, uh, you know, maybe a a couple of stories. Uh, Even just the other day, a student, I was talking with a student who recently graduated who shared that a sibling of theirs was going to be attending K-State and was probably not going to be going to Mass, just kind of starting this year as a freshman. Just the, the high school experience, you know, not necessarily going to be coming to Mass when they, when they arrived on the college campus. But during the pandemic, they watched us on a weekly basis, sometimes on a daily basis, and got to know us even without meeting. And so since arriving at K-State, has been at Mass weekly, has been even at some daily Masses, and has even brought some friends to daily Masses because they had this experience of knowing Father Gale and I well before arriving here. And so they were more ready and willing to come to Mass. We ha- I had somebody in the store one time who simply told me, I think you and Father Gale saved our lives during the pandemic because I truly don't know what we would have done if we couldn't have seen the mass and we couldn't have known that we were going to get to either laugh or roll our eyes or just waste three minutes each afternoon when a video came out. And again, that's the Lord doing the work. It's the Lord who's doing the work, but he needs us to give a little outlet for it to happen instead of just sitting again. It's not like you know, how many, have, how often have we just seen people pounding their fists angry at the government or at the church or at all of these things like, no, let's, no, no, no. And I, I get it. Like, I'm mad about everything. But, man, we got to work. And so to be flexible, to do things that you didn't necessarily want to do, that you wouldn't have signed up for, and we can get into this in a moment, that's how the saints work. That's how the saints act. You would never see the saints banging their fists about suboptimal situations. If it's a moral thing, of course. If it's a moral thing, the saints are going to preach. But if things aren't going their way, you can't fathom the saints making it about that. No, they're going to find, okay, where is Jesus Christ asking me to act, work, and behave in this moment? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, Father June. And I, and I will say, too, that in times of great suffering is the most opportune time for, for the saints to rise up. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about holy adaptability with Fathers Gail Hammerschmidt and Drew Hoffman. Back on Double Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Holy Adaptability. With Fathers Gail Hammerschmidt and Drew Hoffman. George Toman conducts the interview. We are listening to Father Gill and Father Drew talking about holy adaptability and a bunch of good other stuff as well, such as, um, 
you know, videos of racing against each other and all that jazz that I'm sure you could find somewhere. So the uh, the one thing I wanted to ask um, Father Drew, Father Father Gill, we might go a little bit off script here if you don't mind, but I do want to I do want to ask this. Yeah, I do want to ask this because you work with um, these young college these young college students, and there's something that. I have a mental health background as as a psychologist, and so you know I've been reading definitely a lot of things as of late. Well, particularly since the pandemic began, but definitely more recently of just the kind of of difficulties that the class of 2020 in particular. So right now, your current freshman in college, what they're having to go through. You know, they didn't have their formal high school graduation. A lot of them, and that's usually a really great time to celebrate. And you couldn't do that in a lot of areas because of pandemic purposes. Or you did do it, but it was just maybe a little bit uh, weird and unusual. And now coming to college where a lot of universities have gone online learning that we're still trying to learn exactly how to do that kind of pedagogy. So my question is, and, and relating it back to your to your overall points of holy adaptability, what have you seen in the resilience and the attitudes of the youth that you're currently serving amidst this pandemic that though challenging, maybe some of us can learn from from these young people that are really having to go through something that, again, no one could have prepared them for starting in January of 2020. So I'll let you go at that with that question. What do you have any comments there for us yeah. about that? Uh, we, we have a lot of comments. In fact. Mm-hmm. This is something we've been talking about, he and I, uh, especially since the way Kansas State set things up is we started school a little bit early and then they said we're going to we're going to shut it down. Uh, Thanksgiving week. So Thanksgiving week, the students went home, they were off. And then after that, we had, uh, you know, right now they're, they're back if they want to be back, but everything's online. So until late January, everything is online. And so we kind of looked at that, that Friday before Thanksgiving as saying, okay, how have we done? How did this semester go? Uh, and, and that's where we really have been reflecting about the, the way in which our students have, have behaved, how resilient they have been. Even on, on my Thanksgiving homily, I said the one thing that I want to really be grateful for is, is our students. I've said that maybe a, a hundred times, but in particular our freshman class. And Father Drew will elaborate even more on this because of just his thoughts that he's had that he shared with me, and I'll let him share that also with, with, the, with the good people of the radio waves. Yeah, the uh, students, I, I, I should just, we sat down the other night, Father and I, at the end of the day, and uh, I shared with them, I don't know how the students could have handled it better, better. And there's a lot of talk about college, colleges being hot spots and things like that. Well, that's what's going to happen when a lot of people live in a small space. But the students have been unbelievable. They've been brave, and they've been faithful, and they've been obedient. Uh, the students have not been pounding their fists. Why can't we do the things we used to do? Why can't we do this in X, Y, Z? Or, and they haven't been just disregarding the rules and, and flaunting. And there's been examples of that. You see pictures and stuff like that of big parties. But, but that has not been the norm. That has not been the norm. The students have, frankly, acted like adults, maybe sometimes more than we adults have. Because the students have this experience of, I just want to be able to, to, to see people and to do things. And if that means there's certain rules and regulations and there's things I can and can't do, then I'm going to do that because it's worth it to be able to go to Holy Mass. It's worth it to be able to have the sacraments. It's worth it to be even be able to gather with people in any way, shape, or form. And so the students' worldview that it's not been, oh, look at all these things that have taken from me. We put that on the students and assume that's what they're thinking. And they're, that's in their mind, of course, like it's in every one of our minds. But that's not how they're living. It's almost like we want to make these changes, and we do this all the time in life. Like we want to make these changes for people because we assume that they that that they're going through the same things that, that I'm going through. But the students are, are killing it. They're great. They have are there uh, mental health issues that, that have cropped up because of all this? Of course. Have there been people who have fallen through cracks? Yeah, unfortunately. But overall, have the students responded with courage and with uh, faithfulness and with obedience? Yeah, they've been awesome. They've been awesome. And I, I would, 
I would add to that too. Like, you know, there are, there are we're, who are we talking about generally? We're talking about the, the students that we see, that, that we see. And Father Drew sees a ton of students. He's walking campus every day. I don't walk campus as much as he does, but, but, but we're talking about the students also that are coming into the doors of St. Isidore's. And, and who are these, these students? These students that are coming here, many of them are, are hurt, lost, broken, in need of something beautiful, which is obviously the Lord our God. But others are those who have been really adaptable throughout their lifetime. They've, they've placed their trust in God, and they want, as Father Drew says, they want, they want fellowship with friends, and they want, they want prayer. And I think that, that if that's something that you can find, fellowship, regardless if it's behind a mask or not, whether it's Zoom or not, but, but fellowship, connection, connectivity with others, and then, and then a life of prayer— all of a sudden, you're going to find that, that the troubles of life seem to be a lot smaller than when, than when you, you kind of find yourself isolated and, and, and lacking prayer, maybe watching a little bit too much uh, news on television, where they try to get you angry at the world, and, and that whole idea of being angry at the world will get us nowhere. Uh, and so the, the ones that we see, yeah, they're, they're thriving. I know that we, we're praying, 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 praying for those who hadn't had that experience because we know that there are some. And every now and again, we'll even get an email from uh, students, uh, parents that say, hey, can you reach out to my son or daughter? They're struggling. They're just kind of isolating themselves in their dorm room, maybe playing video games all day. And I can just tell that they're not doing well. And so there's some of those out there as well. But for the most part, the, the ones who have adapted they are uh, they're really thriving right now so proud of them yeah no i i just want to echo what you, what you both are saying that i think at first i think some people may look at the younger generation and and go you know why are, why aren't they being safe or why aren't they doing this why aren't they doing that but i think it's really important that for those of us especially like like you two that have have seen it in action you know, there's a lot of lessons we can learn from these young people about what they're having to go through, not only educationally, but also just socially. And again, no one, no good parenting could ever prepare you for what we saw in the last, you know, in the last year here. And so they're having to, to grow on their own. They're having to grow somehow, some way to, to fight through this and the resiliency, their vigilance, I think, I think is really special. So thank you for providing some comments on that. Cause I really appreciate it. Oh, no, we, and we can move on. I think it, one of the things we're just trying to take seriously is that, again, the same thing that has applied during the pandemic applied when the students came back. We can be angry that we don't have our big, fun events, um, which is a bummer. Like, we don't have the big stuff that we used to have in the parties. and the. Uh, we used to have a barn bash that was uh, incredible. Students would come from all over the state to this incredible barn bash out in the country. Somebody would lend us our barn, and it was, for the students, like the epic event of the fall. And, well, guess what? Not happening. Uh, Father Drew used to dress as Santa and hand out presents around Christmas time at a Christmas party. Uh, guess what? Not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. We would get somebody else to dress up. But we're not having our Christmas party as well. You know, there's a lot that we are not doing, and it's a bummer, but yet there's a lot that we are doing. We're, we're having Mass every night. We're, we're having adoration every morning. The confession we, line has been busting at the seams. Uh, a lot is still going on. We've had to have two priests here in confessions a lot, and we had for a long time. I had two masses on the same at the same time. We've had to add a bunch of Sunday masses to get everyone in safe, but there's so many people wanting to come to mass. And so again, there's a middle ground between I'm angry that this isn't worked out, and uh, I'm not going to do anything. And so to get creative, and so whether it be the live streams or videos, or we go drop off packages at everyone's house who gets quarantined some candy in it and some Gatorade and some stuff like that to let them know we're thinking about them and uh, just continuing to do something, 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 because um, we're in the fight. We're in the fight, and if we back off or if we get mad that we have to fight, neither of those are the Christian tradition. Neither of those, and maybe we can, we can pop into what the Christian tradition has talked about that, but, but the Christian tradition is laboring, 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 even in the midst of a mess, particularly when it hasn't gone like we thought it should. Absolutely, you know, and, and I'll quickly share. So, um, not too long ago, I was actually, I was actually, I could, so just to, just to share with the listening audience that this is not not just unique to what Father True and Father Gill are saying. Um, I live in the in the Lincoln Diocese in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I remember not too long ago I was in a confession line on a weekend, and confession started at eleven thirty. I got there, and there were like twenty twenty five people in line, 
And I didn't get out of there until like 1245 or something. So like even just standing in line that long was like a penance in and of itself. But um, the, point, <laughs> the point is seeing so many people there despite the circumstances, because um, we have some pretty um, significant uh, restrictions there in, in, in Lancaster County where I, where I live. The fact that people were still coming to receive the sacrament to me was a sign of, of great grace. And so I just wanted to also share that, again, even though times might look a little bit a little bit bleak, um, nonetheless, people are, are, are desiring something beyond just what they're seeing in the media and other things. So Father Gail and Father Drew's kind of segueing into the next part here. I'm going to kind of, com- you've mentioned this off and on, but just maybe, maybe a little more explicit for the listening audience. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of combine two questions here for you to kind of both chat about. Why do some people have an easier time of adapting than others? And so we talked a lot about that a little bit already, but maybe a little more explicit that people can take. And then what can the average person, the average Joe, if you will, um, how can they live out that holy adaptability? What advice would you would you give um, and that would help us going forward? So maybe as regards the first one, why are some people uh, you know, have an easier time than others? Uh, I, when I was in seminary, I had a uh, priest pastor that I was working with on the weekends. And whenever people would come out of church, he knew so many of their names, and he knew so many of their situations. Hey, how's your brother doing? Hey, Gina, what's going on? And so after Mass one day, I said, you're amazing with that. You must be just really, really good at names. And he said, well, I guess, maybe. But And then he pulled out of his pocket a little notebook where he had written everyone he had met, situations, things to remember about him, X and Y and Z. And he said, but I practice a lot. I practice day after day after day. Uh, so often we use maybe I'm good at names or I'm not good at names as, a, as an excuse to not remember things, but it takes practice. Adaptability, I think, is the same. Maybe some people are better at it than others. Maybe some people are more creative or more resilient naturally. That's probably true. But at the end of the day, the bigger issue is, am I trying? Am I trying? Often I'm just not that good at it or I'm, I'm stuck in my ways or, you know, my situation is harder than yours are almost always, almost always, those are excuses so I don't have to give it a go. And I've used those excuses. We all have. So that's one of the temptations. One of the temptations we have to fight is that this pandemic has actually given us a great excuse not do things we don't want to do. <laughs> we can just simply say, oh, well, it's the pandemic, and so therefore I'm not going to. I'm just going to watch another, you know, Hallmark movie or something like that, um, which hey, isn't all bad either. But, uh, uh, you know, so it's easy to kind of use as an excuse. To, to be adaptable, we have to make a decision to be adaptable. We, I used to hear that same excuse when it would re- refer to maybe people learning foreign languages. Uh, you know, doing Spanish ministry. Well, I'm just not very good at languages, so I don't think that I'm going to go and, and learn Spanish. Well, I'm not. I'm terrible at learning languages, but I made a decision that I was going to go and try and do that, and then I was able to be blessed to do Hispanic ministry for, for three years at the very beginning of, of my priesthood. Uh, and so a decision has to be made. You pray for humility, pray for the grace to be able to make the changes that need to be made. Um, and, and then also you got to be patient with yourself. When you recognize, man, I am stubborn, I'm stuck in my ways, and this is really challenging me. It's okay to acknowledge that it's, that it's challenging you. It's okay to pray that God gives you the grace that you need to fight through those challenges and, and to step outside of your comfort zone a little bit uh, to say, God, this here is kind of what you're presenting. And then, and then ask, ask the question as well, God, what are you trying to teach me in the midst of this as I'm trying to be humble, as I'm trying to, to step outside of my comfort zone, and as I'm trying to adapt to this new situation. Uh, I think it'd be amazing to, to really reflect on that for all of us, even over these last nine months, what we've been taught because of this new circumstance, this new situation that we've had to adapt to. And to do it poorly, like to do it not well, that's gr- like so often, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So I'm not, I, I want to do it, do it good. No, you're stepping out yeah. into being creative or being different or doing something in a new way it's going to be messy early on. It might be messy for a long time. Man, we experienced that so many times with so many of the things we did um, and continue to do, frankly, are, are not that good. And that's fine. When I expect things to go exactly as they should first time around or tenth time around, that's not the Lord and that's not the Christian tradition. So Father Gale is fond of saying anything that's worth doing is worth doing poorly, which I think is a wise <laughs> statement. Give it a go. Try. Do something. Do something. 
Yes, give it give it a go, and we'll let the good Lord bless, and we'll kind of see where where we go. But I really appreciate your 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 comments there, both of you, about you know just there's just the emphasis of of action, right? You know, one of the both in explicit and I would also say implicit things about the pandemic and, and some of the shutdowns and some of the other regulations that have been put upon us, whether we like it or not, there's this sense of just don't do anything, right? Like there's a sense of, you know, yeah. Yeah, shelter, you know, shelter in place, stay home, you know, don't, you know, don't go out for Thanksgiving or, or whatever the case or the case may, may be, both little little and, and quite large. And that that kind of notion then maybe creeps into as was as what you two are alluding to the, the spiritual life you know where it's like well i can't do this can't do this and so you know okay i won't you know i won't try to evangelize or or maybe i don't need to pray now or i don't need to be as 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 big into to to mass as i used to be kind of deal and it's important for us to counter that with a desire to just yeah take that little step going forward and i think for for a lot of us at least for myself that's a really that's a really great really great reminder there they uh, going with speaking of 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 this topic and and really looking at just kind of the larger the larger history of the church here what examples do you have for us where the church lived out this what you call this holy adaptability over over the centuries and particularly the saints because you mentioned earlier about you know, maybe as a little segue, the 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 saints and how they kind of acted in in times like these or something similar. So, so for both of you, could you spend a little bit of time talking about throughout the centuries what have our brothers and sisters in faith in the past have done that we could use as advice for today, despite the different circumstance? Sure, sure. Each of us have a, like a lot. Father Gail can share uh, first here about a, a saint that's impactful in our lives. Yeah, and, and I know that Father Drew's got obviously some examples as well, but i just jump in there because I think mine will be relatively brief. I, I think many of us uh, from this area of the world have headed out to Denver and then into the mountains and then off to the north of I-70. What do we see? We see a shrine to a saint, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, Mother Cabrini's shrine. Who is she? Well, she was an Italian saint who wanted to go with her sisters to China, and she was going to evangelize the East. She went and spoke with the Pope about it, and what did the Pope say? Not to the East, but to the West. Go and help the immigrants in the United States of America. And so she adapted. She said, well, wait a second, this isn't my plan, but it seems to be what has been set in front of me. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to, I'm going to make my way to the United States of America. And in the United States of America, she ministered in New York. She ministered and in, in I think Seattle and California, even New Orleans, obviously in the Denver area, and made an incredible impact in even our world. Why? Well, because she wasn't stubborn. She wasn't saying, no, Pope, let's continue. Let's, uh, you know, or she didn't shut down when the Pope said, I don't want you to go to where you want to go. She simply said, okay, docility. I will be do- docile to the, to the will of God that is spoken to me through the Pope through the, the Church, uh, through her religious order, and she changed the world because of, we, we honor her today as this great saint. We build shrines to her, ask for her intercession, because she wasn't, uh, you know, stubborn. She she just was adaptable, and she adapted, and, and, and we, now we know her story. Yeah, I'd jump in with, with one of my favorite saints ever, so Gregory the Great, the Pope in the 500s at one of the low points of Rome. So Rome is just a mess. We think of Rome in, in its kind of post-Renaissance glory, but Rome in the, in the four or 500s has just been racked with invasion and with looting and all of this stuff. It's not that important of a city. So Gregory the Great is a pretty well-known guy, fairly famous. He's kind of like the mayor of Rome at the time, but that's not that important of a position because Rome is not that important of a city. And so he realizes a little later on in life, what's his deepest desire? My deepest desire is to just pray. And so his family home, he's pretty wealthy. He turns into St. Andrew's Monastery. And so he calls some men to himself and has a little monastery there where they just they pray, they do some teaching, but mostly they spend time together and with the Lord. And he's so happy. He's so absurdly happy. This is where I'm supposed to be. Uh, and, and yet... Very quickly, the Pope calls him kind of back into the city of Rome 
to be one of the seven deacons. So the Rome had seven deacons, which kind of kept an eye on the city, protected it, helped with the politics, helped with the poor. And so it's exactly what Gregory doesn't want to do. He, he's been called out of that, he thinks, to pray. But he's been asked by the Pope and by circumstance to do it, and so, so he does it. He does a great job. He's, he's such a pro. And what's the reward for good work in the church? It's always more work. And so instead of going back to his monastery, he is sent to Constantinople. Constantinople is the capital of the world in the 500s. It's where even the Roman Empire is actually based, even though it's called the Roman Empire. And it's kind of like New York on steroids. There's, uh, it's cosmopolitan, and there's people from all over, and there's heresies, and there's weird stuff you can't even imagine going on. So the last place in the world a monk would want to be a guy who just wants to be in prayer. Um, and yet he's been asked to go there to help wheel and deal, to help get some protection and some help for Rome. So he spends like five years there in this city that, that he hates. Um, and it, it's so loud, he can't be a monk barely at all. Yet what does he do there? He doesn't even know Greek. That's another thing. He doesn't even know the language. He has to have a translator with him the whole time. And, and what does he do there? He helps convert the patriarch who had fallen away from the church, actually, if you can believe that, the bishop had fallen away from the church. He uh, learns all of this kind of strange stuff about the world. He learns heresies, things that are against the, the faith. He learns about different peoples, people he, he never had imagined before. He didn't even know existed from his little time in, in Rome. He learns politics. He learns even more how the world works and fits together. And so after the, that time, he's, he's pulled back into... Uh, into Rome, but they let him go back to his monastery. For three years, he says he spends the happiest years of his life at a monastery back at St. Andrews. He teaches, he hangs out with his bros, he prays, he just lives a good life. And he even tries, actually, to go to England, to go with the first missionaries to England, and yet they don't let him go. The Romans refuse to let him leave his monastery, and to leave Rome because they know something that is Gregory's worst nightmare. His worst nightmare is that he'd become the Pope someday. And guess what? They make him the Pope. They need Gregory, this man who has a missionary heart, who understands politics, who understands the poor, who understands theology, to be the Pope. And so he begs the emperor, don't make me do this. The emperor says, that's not how being the Pope works. Tough luck. And he is an awesome pope. He's an awesome pope. That's why you don't get the great uh, by just twiddling your thumbs and messing around and complaining about your life. No, as the pope, the last thing in the world he wants to do, he sends missionaries to England. He sends Augustine of Canterbury to England, who becomes really the apostle to that island. He can deal with heresies because he's seen them in Constantinople. He knows how to quash some of these weird thoughts. He sends out people all over the, the world because he understands that the world is bigger than Rome. It's bigger even than the Roman Empire because he spent that time in Constantinople. He understands the poor, and he understands politics because of his time as that deacon. And so all of the things he didn't want to do formed him into one of the great, if maybe not the best pope of all time. None of that would have been possible if he didn't have to do things he didn't want to do. And so all of the time we should be thinking, if I'm being asked to do something I, didn't, I don't want to do, either by circumstance or by the Lord or by a superior, again, if it's morally appropriate and it isn't stretching me to the point of breaking, that is almost always going to be an opportunity to learn a skill, a talent, a gift, or a lesson I wouldn't have taught myself. That's the whole point of Gregory. He learns these things he wouldn't have learned himself, and that's how you get the title the great. I think that's really applicable for us in 2020. I don't want to do these things. I don't want to, I'd rather go back to normal. I have ways I want things to go. And for a time, maybe we'll get that. But if I'm having to do things I don't want to do, am I learning a lesson, a gift, a talent that will be utilized for the greater glory of God moving forward? Yeah, no, thank you. That's that's great. And, and I will say myself, I, I love I love St. Gregory the Great story too, just because of that very, that very fact you just mentioned, Father Drew, of just, you know, it's like, well, I kind of want to do this, but yeah, Mother Church needs you here. Mother Church needs you here, right? And so uh, that that's a great great reminder for us and and for those in the listening audience. Be sure to do a little search on Saint Gregory the Great. I think, um, especially him and some of those other uh, fathers of the church, we can learn quite a bit from. Gentlemen, we have about oh about 
I'd say five to eight minutes left here, and so I wanted to pose this question to you to you that um, I think is, is is relevant, or at least I hope it is, and and hope you don't mind going again off the script a little bit. But could you could could one or or both of you provide a comment on holy adaptability in the new evangelization? And because you, you mentioned multiple times throughout uh, your 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 talk today, uh, just you know again having to do things maybe you know. That, that we don't know about, kind of going into the unknown, but basically taking that, that risk for Christ and knowing that we have people in our past, our brothers and sisters in Christ and Church Triumphant who have, who have shown us that it can be done. But when we think of the new evangelization, holy adaptability, and our times today, do you have any comments for our listening audience about how we can be better, better stewards, better disciples in a time that, quite frankly, even post-pandemic, when quote-unquote things get back to normal, we will have quite a bit of discipleship to do, I believe anyway, just because of, of kind of what, what, what we're seeing. So do Father Gail, Father Jude, do you have any comments on that um, at all? Uh, I would say, the, the first thing I would just say is, is that obviously that, that term new evangelization can mean, uh, a lot of people make it mean whatever they want it to mean, but it's, it's representing the truths of our church yet again. I mean, it's, it's something that every evangelization has kind of been a, a new evangelization. It's specifically designed for those who have maybe been raised in the faith, but then have lost the faith or never really understood it from the start. I think that these days, this last nine months, have shown us something, that at the heart of what we desire as humans is more than just a shiny video, it's more than uh, something live-streamed or uh, fancy, glittery, and, and uh, extreme. It's, it's the heart of the faith. It's the sacraments. And so at the heart of the new evangelization is also the sacraments. Why are we still thriving here at St. Isidore's? Why is it that, that we still worry maybe about some of the, the regulations that the city and the county has passed down? It's because we have too many students coming here for an event called Mass. You know, we, we, school is no longer in session. School is not in session. Nobody has to be in Manhattan. Last night we had, I think, 100 students at a mass after 9 o'clock. And, and so it's the sacraments that are at the heart of the new evangelization. But again, we have to meet people where they are and then bring them to where I think God desires them to be, which is uh, connected with Him in the sacraments. And so you have to look for varied ways to do that, also, that's the challenge of, uh, of this time, as well as how do we find the new ways to reach them where they are. But again, it's always bringing them back to prayer and the sacraments, and then also fellowship with one another, love of God and, and love of neighbor, and true kind of uh, intimacy, a focused fellowship kept at university students would say divine intimacy, a real friendship with God, and then also authentic friendships, true friendships where you can be vulnerable and talk about what's really going on in your heart. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more than with Boss about, uh, about especially the sacraments. We've been running towards this for a long time, this uh, idea of, do I come to Mass because I have to? Do I come to Mass because that's just what we do? Or because I, I want to and because I recognize it's fruit? Even if it's not like I always wake up and want to go to Mass. But there was going to need to be a new teaching, and that's what the new evangelization has at, at its core, of the, the importance and the power of the sacraments, of providing people uh, with the good news of, of why it's vital and why it's important. And so the fact that we had a dispensation for so long that we still have it, and so even though we have great numbers, and I think mass numbers even in, in Kansas are pretty good right now, they're, they're not what they used to be, uh, provides us with a built-in excuse, a messy one, and it's going to be hard but to provide people with the good news of, of the Mass, to have to go and get people, to go and find people to bring them back, because they're not necessarily just going to come back when all the restrictions are, are lifted and the dispensation no longer is there. And so this has given us like a, an excuse to do a new evangelization, but we're going to have to be creative, and we're going to have to be brave, we're going to have to do some of the things poorly, uh, to call and to contact and to be in the public square and all of these things. But it's going to take some adaptability. The way we've done things is not going to keep working in the future. And we always knew that deep down, and this pandemic has made it clear. And so in a, in a certain sense, we should be grateful for that lesson, even though this has all been such a mess and there's been so much suffering with it. 
And for you, Father Gillian, Father Father Drew, a listener did call in and said that there is a word creativeness, and it is in the dictionary and the, and the, and the thesaurus. So, so I, using con, use, victory, yeah. So that doesn't sound right. Yeah. Well, I'm very well educated. I'm, I'm highly educated. Yeah, I went to Thomas More Prep. Uh, you went to Bishop Carroll, so it's very understandable that I would have just a, a larger vocabulary than you. The Ellis County Drew. education is fine. There we go. Victory. That's right. Well, I get and in contemporary terms, Father Gill, uh, your claim has been verified by a fact checker. So there you go. So, uh, so I love it. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, yeah, we have about about I'd say about three three minutes left here. So, I'll, Father. Uh, Father Gail, Father Drew, is there any last minute things you'd like to tell our listening listening audience before you go? Could be about could be about anything, little words of inspiration oh. or wisdom. And then um, I will and I ask before you go that uh, either one or both of you provide your blessing for the radio audience. But is there anything that either of you would like to say um, before before you go? We've never missed out on an opportunity to do a shameless plug in our entire lives, and so. Uh, <laughs> We have the Konza Catholic podcast, which is on wherever you find podcasts or KonzaCatholic.com. And um, on K-O-N-Z-A. K-O-N-Z-A K-O-N-Z-A. Uh, on Tuesdays, Father Gail and I either interview somebody or I talk about something silly or something helpful or maybe neither. But um, <laughs> And on Thursdays, we do a, a brief, usually 15 to 20 minute teaching on something, whether it's from theology or history or, or a fun experience of our lives. And so we'd encourage people, subscribe to that, listen to that. Some of these, I did one of these on Gregory the Great a few weeks ago. Um, and so we, we encourage people to, to check that out or check, check out the St. Isidore's Facebook page for, for the, either the live streams or the silly stuff, or just to see, seeing students uh, being faithful in a pandemic, uh, that gives people energy. It gives people enthusiasm. And it, it gives people hope, and, and I think that that's there. And then the final, the final thing I would say is just, you know, the, the great blessing that I've had during this pandemic is that this other guy on the radio, radio interview with me, Father Drew, has been right here at my side, encouraging me when I'm down, um, maybe calming me down when I'm a little too high. Uh, and, and I think that it's important to pray that, that God does put other people in your life who can uh, support you in your walk in the faith. So important. So pray for that. Now, honestly, pray that God gives you good, holy friends who can lift you up when you need to be lifted up and, and maybe to knock you down when you need to be knocked down. I'll go ahead and close in the blessing if that works all right. It's perfect. Thank you, Father Gail. Yeah. So Almighty God, we ask that you send your blessing down upon all of these listeners and especially upon Catholic Radio in the Diocese of Salina and Dodge City throughout the state of Kansas, that this great ministry may bear fruit in eternal life. We pray that a special blessing upon all of the, the workers, upon Donetta and those who have made this possible. And to our entire listening audience, we pray that God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father Gill, Father Drew, for your ministry. Thank you for accepting yes to God's call and continue to take care of your children there at St. Isidore's. And we hope to have you again on the Carathon. All right. So God bless you both. Great pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to Double Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. If you can help keep shows like this on the air, please go to dvmercy.com and click on donate. Your donation will be greatly appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg Salina 105.7 KMDG Hayes 88.1 KRTT Great Band and 88.1 KVDM Hayes If today you hear his voice harden not your hearts.